0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message that I gave on Sunday morning, May 21st, 2023, from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. So most of you know this. Some of you maybe are visiting us today, but in these few weeks after since Easter, What we've been doing is we've been looking at different post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Why did he show up the way he did? Why did he talk to the people that he did? Why were those encounters not these huge, fantastic, amazing, showy things? They were all really kind of quaint and quiet. They were just really kind of normal. I mean, he's cooking breakfast. He's on a walk with some friends. He's having a fireside chat. It's just not what you would expect if you literally got up from the dead, But that's what his appearances were like. And I wanted to look at him because I believe that the way that Jesus showed up then is the way that he continues to show up now in the lives of his people. What he's had to say to those guys then is what he has to say to us now. So. Jesus has risen from the dead. This is the new normal. We are going to look at something that, for some of you, this will be an extremely familiar passage um, because you've seen it your whole life. You've had it read to you your whole life. But some of us are kind of new to this Jesus thing, new to church. And so maybe you've never heard this before. This is from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 28, the very last little paragraph of the Gospel of Matthew. And some of you, as soon as I said that, are like, oh, I already know this thing from, uh, from memory, and you could say it from memory, and that is really cool. But for some of us, this is brand new information, so here we go. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, but you're, if you looked that up, you might notice the little... Uh, There's a little paragraph heading that says the Great Commission. And some of y'all have had that memorized since you were seven years old. This is the job of the church is to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And, um, you know, like I said, I think some of us are new and that's fantastic. And so you never had this happen to you. But some of us were raised in church and we heard every single week that it was our job to witness and we were asked, and, you, and yeah, you can giggle. And if, it was, if you were one of these people, you can say, mm-hmm, yep, that was me too. How many people did you witness to this week? Did you witness to anybody? And we had strategies for witnessing. And there was whole like, whole times where we would plan and plot how we were going to witness. I know this is true of my wife. She was, she was in a, um, a missionary kid boarding school in Southeast Asia. And they would deploy teams of teenagers into the shopping mall to witness You know, and I'm just going to tell you right now, if that's your strategy for uh, growing the kingdom of God is making a bunch of teenagers go into a shopping mall and ask people if you died today, do you know if you would go to heaven or hell? Um, Let's rethink that one, church. Um, First of all, when I'm at a store, I've got my earbuds in because whether or not I'm listening to anything, it's not personal. I just don't want to talk to you. That's just, that's a personality thing for me, but I'm, no, um, That kind of witness culture, it gave us the feeling that every single person is supposed to be an evangelist. And before we even dig into this, this verse anymore, these verses anymore, and look at what it means and what we're supposed to do, let me just say this from the top. Not everybody that knows Jesus is going to be an evangelist. An evangelist is a very specific type of person, a very specific sometimes type of personality, and definitely a specific spiritual gift. It's not everybody's job to, to tell the gospel of Jesus to everybody that you meet and make sure that they accept Jesus. You know, and that's, that is a very specific thing. Now, this is what the Bible says, is that everybody that comes to know Jesus, when you believe in him, the Holy Spirit gives you a gift. It's like a special superpower that is uniquely you. It's something that you couldn't be without him, but he brings this thing into your life. This new factor has happened to you, and now you have this superpower in the kingdom of God. The way Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that, that we, the family of God is like a body is. Like a body has... You have eyes, and you have ears, and you have hands, and you have feet, you know, and you have oblique abdominals <laughs> under there somewhere. And... You have a brachioradialis on each arm. like that's Your body has different parts, okay? And that's what the kingdom of God is like. Everybody has different parts. Everybody, all the different parts do different jobs because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and your personality and your background and your unique you-ness that you bring into all this. Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, different places in the New Testament talk about these gifts. Some people are pastors, some people are teachers, some people have gifts of administration, administration and organization. And I say, bless you if that's you. That must be so cool. I have no idea what it's like, but I'm so glad that you're in my life. And sometimes, but some people have (laughs) gifts of administration and, and organization. Some people. Some people know how to host and some people know how to serve and it's just, it's easy and it gives you life. And again, I say, bless you. That is so cool. That must be so neat for you. You know, but it's like for all of these things, the family of God reaches the world in totally different ways with all of these different spiritual gifts. Evangelism is a specific thing that some people have and thank God not everybody has because I think that the church would be an annoying place to most of the world, but it's a there is a fearlessness there is a there is a, a heart for the gospel there is I, I have to tell you like it's not my personality, but every time I walk into Oak Ridge High School under under the office of a volunteer young life leader because I want to reach high school kids for Jesus, I have to pray myself up I have to gear myself up for that this past week we went to do a chapel service in the Morgan County Penitentiary and we took Thomas's wife, Maddie, with us as part of our little prison team. And all week long, she was like, Lee, should I be nervous? Should I be nervous about going into the prison? It seems like such a scary thing. And I was like, the prison is the easiest ministry in the body of Christ. I don't know what anybody, the prison is a thousand, she's a, by the way, Maddie's our local Young Life staff and she goes fearlessly into the high school. She takes her baby and all of a sudden she's just flocked by all these high school kids. It's genius, right? Like she's totally fearless. And sometimes high school kids not really y'all, but sometimes high school kids are like super duper mean to you. When you go into the high school, I'm just trying to save your stupid souls, you know? (laughs) And it's so hard. It's so scary. It's so... But you go into the prison... You go into the prison to do a chapel service and every single person is like, God bless you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. Thank you for remembering us. You're like, it's the best kept secret in ministry is the prison is the easiest thing in the world. And as soon as we were done, I looked at Maddie and I was like, you good? And she was like, yeah, that was easy. Man, they're so much nicer than high school kids, (laughs) which is God's honest truth. Not everybody's an evangelist. Okay. So let's start there. Not everybody's an evangelist, but... There is something that Jesus wants us to do. We have a job, okay? We have a very specific job. He rose from the dead. He met with his folks and he said, I want you to do something. I want you to go everywhere and tell everyone that they should obey all my commandments and they should be my students. That's what this means, by the way. Everybody everywhere should be my students and they should obey everything that all of my teachings and commands. And you're like, that's a really weird sell. Um, By the way, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Sometimes you're going to lose hope and feel like you can't do this whole thing. And so I want to tell you some things on either side of that, some bookends that are going to help. Number one, on one side of that, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You'll never be alone. You'll never have to do this thing by yourself. And that's really, really good news. And also on the other side, the front end of that, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. Everything that happens, I'm in control of it. Everything that happens, good, bad, rainy, sunny, all of it, happy, sad, whatever, difficult, suffering, amazing, wonderful, all of it crosses over Jesus' desk and gets a stamp. Every single thing. He's in authority over everything, and, he'll, and you'll never be alone. Now go. Go into all the world, to everybody, and make people students. Like I said, we all, we're all different parts of the body, right? We all have different jobs, different spiritual gifts, but this is true of every single person that comes to know Jesus, is that we're all supposed to be students. We're all supposed to be students. We're all supposed to be disciples. We're all supposed to learn from him. We're all supposed to learn his teachings and follow his commands. Why? I said this last week. It's not because he's like a big bossy pants and he just wants everybody to do his stuff. It's because he made the universe, y'all. He knows how it works. He's a genius. And lo and behold, if you operate the mechanism according to the manufacturer's guidelines, it works a lot better. Like that, he made you, he crafted your heart, he built the universe, he knows how this is supposed to work. I'm not just bossy, I know what I'm doing, is what he would say. Everybody needs to be my students. You need to enroll in my school because it's gonna go so much better for you. Not that your life's gonna work out perfectly, you're gonna have all your bills paid, or you're not gonna suffer, no. But you're gonna find a real, true, full life that way. That's what we're looking for. Not a perfect life, not a life where all the bills are paid, not a life where you never get sick, not a life where you're not going to pass away, none of that, but a full and a rich life where you get to walk with God. That's amazing. You should all be my students. Now, here's the interesting thing. Interesting. Uh, I can't really speak today. I'm going to slow down. Really interesting thing here. He doesn't say, go and make disciples. He says, um, well, actually, he says, having gone. And sometimes people say, you know, um, like, like, as you're going or whatever. It doesn't mean actually go and do this on purpose. It just means as you go throughout your life. And actually, that's not true. There's a grammatical rule that says that that verb takes on. It's not actually a verb. It's a participle. Takes on the mood of the main verb, which is not make disciple, but disciple. Okay? So what he's saying is he takes the noun, he takes that word disciple or learner, and turns it into a verb. Learner, everyone. That's your job. Okay, all authority has been given into me. I'm in control of everything. So therefore, go learner everybody. (laughs) Student everybody. And I'll be with you the whole time. And I've been thinking about this all week, guys, all week. And I'm like, how, number one, how do you do this? Number two, how in the world am I supposed to explain it to you? I'm gonna try, will you go on a little journey with me? Would that be cool? Okay, thank you, Maggie. Maggie's ready, I'm ready. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, Most of you guys know this, that uh, my undergrad, um, I got my undergrad in secondary ed history and political science. I'm trained, technically, to be uh, a public educator. And when you are getting a degree in education, the last semester, they make you go into a school and do the thing. They make you teach. And the way that's supposed to work out is you go into a classroom, and whatever teacher they pair you up with, that's your mentoring teacher. And they teach, and you watch them do it. And they make lesson plans, and you watch them do that. And then slowly over the semester, you kind of take over their class. They give you some papers to grade. They give you a little lesson to do and stuff like that. That's the way that's supposed to work. In the year of our Lord, 2002, I walked into Upperman High School in Baxter, Tennessee, and they sent me down the hall into that room, and I walked in, and I walked into, and teachers, you're gonna feel me on this, okay? So feel free to commiserate. I walked into a classroom of 36 ninth graders. And I was like, wait, what? 36 ninth graders? 36 ninth graders. Mentoring teacher walks right up to me and says, are you younger? And I was like, yeah. He said, starts shaking my hand, I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. He says, listen, uh, my best friend and I just bought a golf course together. I'm going to go do that. Good luck, man, I'll see you later. And I never saw him again. Literally walked out of the room after shaking my hand, and I'm staring at 36 ninth graders. How do you make somebody learn something? I don't know. How are you supposed to learn or somebody? I don't know. You can't make somebody, they made them come to the class. There are truancy laws. But how are you going to make somebody learn something? Okay, like I said, I've been thinking about this all week. And um, I want you to do just a little thought experiment with me for a second. Okay, and I, I really want you to do this. I want you to think about something that you love to do in your life. Just personally, you love it. You had to learn how to do it and you love it. Whether it's, you know, whether it's fly fishing or tennis, you know, or you know, crochet or maybe you make sushi. I don't know what the thing is. Whatever it is, I want you to think for a second. Who is the person who really turned me on to that? Who is the person that gave me either like gave me motivation to learn that thing or made me feel like I could do it. Just get that person in your head, something that you love to do and you had to learn how to do it. Why did you learn it and why do you love it so much? I've been thinking about this this week and I'm going to tell you a couple of things. One, when I was a sophomore in high school, I had uh, I I had a world history teacher, and maybe some of you did too, named Dennis Rush. He was also the soccer coach at Oak Ridge High School at that time. And every single day, I walked into that man's classroom, and he was so excited to tell us about the Renaissance, or about, you know, uh, uh, the Protestant Reformation, or the Black Plague. I don't know why he was excited about it, but he was so pumped about the Black Plague. And he talked like he had just learned it himself, and he wanted to pass it on to you. It's the way I felt after I watched the first um, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I read comic books my whole life. I never read those. And so I was just like, you know, Marvel's been knocking out of the park. I'll go watch the Guardians of the Galaxy. I walked out of that movie theater. I was an evangelist for the Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if you can really say that in this place. But I was. I remember Christy and the kids went down to Huntsville to see her sister and I just forced Potsy to go see that movie with me. I was like, I know you don't like superhero movies, and I know you ne- feel like you never know what's going on, but you're watching this movie with me. And literally, he laughed so hard people left the theater. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was this specific slow motion scene. I can still remember it. I I'd never seen Potsy laugh this hard. And people were like, are you joking? They left. They left. <laughs> That's the way coach rush felt every single day when he was telling us about whatever he was telling us. And he just got me fired up. I was just like, okay, if you're this fired up about it, I guess I'll get on board too. I had uh, sophomore year. Uh, sorry. Yeah, that was sophomore year. My junior year, I had a teacher named Ann Johnson who was my English teacher. And I remember the first day of class, she said to us, this is going to be the hardest class you've ever taken. You are going to work so hard in this class. And some of you are going to be drowning. She said, but I'm going to push you, and I'm not going to stop, because some of you are thumping good essay writers. You just don't know it yet, and I'm going to find out who. And that very first day, I was like, I'm going to be one of those essay writers, <laughs> and sh- she's going to find out that it's me, you know, and she-, and she inspired me, and I saw her the other day, and I was just like, Ann Johnson. I saw her at Bud's Farmhouse Coffee, and she was like, well, hello, young man. <laughs> And I was just like, your class changed my life. And she was like, well, good. You know, and she, was, she wasn't touched by it, anything. She was like, yeah, that's exactly what I intended to do. She got me fired up about it. Um, I remember I was in the ninth grade. And I, I'll be honest with you, I had no interest in music my entire life, in playing music or writing music. I liked rock music. but. I didn't feel like that was something I could do because, and some of y'all will rem- remember this, the rock music at the end of the late, like the late 80s, early 90s, it was like virtuoso level, like, like violin concertos. You could not play this music. It was so complicated, so complex, so difficult to pull off. It was like these crazy guitar solos that would last for 30 minutes by these guys that were like, they were like the best musicians in the world. And so I had no interest in it. I was like, I like listening to it. I would never play it. Who could ever do that? And my best friend was a guy named Apoorv. I've talked about Apoorv before, but Apoorv invited me over one day. He was like, you need to come over to the house. So I go to Apoorv's house, and Apoorv's house was awesome because he had MTV, and we weren't allowed to have MTV. And so, and he had this thing that young people, I don't have time to explain it. They had this thing called a VHS player. And um, so I go over to Apoorv's house, and he's like, hey, um, I gotta show you this thing that I taped off of MTV. And I was like, okay, cool, what is it? And so he puts in this tape and he cues it up and it's this music video for this band called Nirvana. And he said, that guy's name is Kurt Cobain. And I was like, cool. And he said, he paused it and he said, look at his hand. And it was, a, it was like a close-up shot of Kurt Cobain's hand. He had this finger and these two fingers and he had one shape and he goes, he does that the whole song. <laughs> he never changes, he just moves it around. It just that one shape. And then the other hand, he's just smashing the strings. And I was like, what are you saying? He said, I think we could be guitar players. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. The guitar buying industry changed in about 1991, 1992. Because we were all watching MTV, even if we weren't supposed to. And thinking, I think I could do that. The stuff in my life that I've learned and loved learning, it's because somebody else loved it and they learned it and they approached it like a kid in a candy store, like, I'll never get over this. Or they made me feel like, this is easy, you could do it. Go, all authority has been given, whatever's gonna happen, I'm in control of it. I'll never leave you, you'll never be alone. Now go learner everybody. Well, how are you supposed to do that? Here's my suggestion, you be a learner all the time just always be learning stuff about Jesus. Be exci- Find something that you learn about Jesus that fires up your imagination, that makes your heart burn, and then just like not bad heartburn, but like good <laughs> heartburn. I don't know. I didn't intend for that to be that way. Something that fires you up, that you're learning about him. Here's what happens. I think when you Continue to be a learner about Jesus. Stay curious about him. Stay longing to find out something about his heart, about who he is, about how he loves. What happens is you start to see people differently. When you start to see people differently, you start to, lo and behold, treat people differently. When you treat people differently, all of a sudden, somebody is going to want to learn why are you like this? maybe I want to learn about that. Maybe even without them meaning to, they start to learn something. What would they learn? Okay, I'm going to tell you a couple of beautiful things about the heart of Jesus that just fire me up, that when I learn them and I love learning, I stay curious about these things, that it just changes the way I see people and it changes the way I treat people. Okay, I think that a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with church and all that kind of stuff because they think it's for people who are all lined out and buttoned up. Amen? I'm not going there because that's for people who've got all their crap together, and I know I don't have my stuff together. And you know what, something? When you get to know Jesus, when you just read the Gospels, you find out that the entrance exam is being a broken down mess. That's what this is for. That Jesus was for people who are a broken down mess. Remember that guy, Levi. One of the earliest of the 12 disciples, Jesus said, follow me. The guy that he chose to follow him was a guy that was a total wreck of a human being. He was a traitor to his people. Nobody liked him. He wasn't invited to any parties. Every, all of his own people hated him. The only people that would be his friends were the worst people in town. He was a disaster. And Jesus said, follow me. And he's like, me? Yeah, you. Are you kidding? Are you okay? Yes, I want you. That's who I want is somebody broken down and messy just like you because healthy people don't need a doctor. The doctor is in. Now, here's what's really cool. When Mark tells that story, he says, Jesus uh, called Levi a tax collector. And when Luke tells that story, he says, Jesus called Levi a tax collector and said, follow me. You know what Levi, also known as Matthew, you know what he said when he tells that story? He says, Jesus saw a man. He didn't say he saw a tax collector. He said underneath all that broken down traitorous mess, he saw a person down in there. Because Jesus knows that underneath all the broken mess, you are a person and you matter to him. And when I learn that, it changes the way I see people, which changes the way I treat people. And if I treat people like broken down messes matter to Jesus, they might learn that they do. That would be really cool. That's another thing I learned about Jesus is individual hearts. You, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, you matter to me. That's something I'm learning about Jesus. Think about another tax collector, a guy that was even worse than Levi slash Matthew. Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, not invited into the synagogues, not asked to marry any of the nice girls in town, the worst guy ever. And Jesus, walking through the streets of Jericho, goes straight up to a sycamore fig tree, looks up into it and says, Zacchaeus. And everybody's like, no. And Jesus is like, everybody stop. Zacchaeus, you matter to me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've been. I don't care what anybody else thinks about you. You matter to me. And when I am stay curious about who Jesus is and how he loves and what he does, then that changes the way I see people, which changes the way I treat people. And then what if somebody learns that they matter to Jesus, no matter what they've done and no matter who they are and no matter who they've been? That would be beautiful, amen? amen. Yes, it would. Jesus said, go into all the nations. Go make disciples out of all the nations. Um, most of you guys know this, uh, this scripture was written in the Greek language, not in English. English didn't exist yet. They hadn't thought of one as stupid as our language yet. And so um, in the Greek language, when, he's, when it says uh, into all the nations, it doesn't actually say naeth- nations. It's a Greek word, ethne. Now, real quick, pop quiz, what does the word ethne sound like? ethnicities, ethnic. That's exactly what that means. Jesus said, go learner, all the ethnicities. I want them all. I want everybody. The love of Jesus, this is something I'm learning about him. When you look it up and you're like, it says ethnicities. It's the ethne. Here's something I'm learning about Jesus. The love of Jesus is for everyone. Every, everyone. There's a place in John chapter 4 where John said they were going from Judea up to Galilee, and he said, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. No, he didn't. In fact, they never did. They always went around Samaria. They didn't go through it. Nobody went through it. Why? Because Jewish people hated Samaritan people, and Samaritan people hated Jewish people. They had all this racial division. They had all this just, we don't even need to call it racial division. They were racists against these people. But Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had an appointment. He had an appointment with someone from a different race, with someone from a shady background, with someone, by the way, with a, with a sexual history that is not nice for church people. And Jesus said, I had to go through there because the love of Jesus is for everyone. I don't care what ethnicity you are. I don't care what your sexual history is. I don't care what your pronouns are. It's for everyone. The love of Jesus is for everyone. And when I stay curious about his heart and his love, and it fires me up, it changes the way I see people, and it changes the way I treat people. And then what if... What if I go? And what if I find him? And what if I'm talking to him? And what if I love them like he did? And what if all of a sudden somebody finds out, could the love of Jesus be for me? What if this is what Jesus meant when he said, you're the salt of the earth. Don't lose your savor. Don't lose your savor. You ever gone through a drive through and they hand you your fries and you drive off and you realize, dang, I got the batch that wasn't salted. I feel like burning the world down. <laughs> I don't care that they're hot. I don't care that they're potatoes. Put the salt on them, man. Don't lose your savor. be I want to be the kind of life that's delicious to be around, if that makes sense. Curious, excited about what I'm learning about Jesus because it changes the way I see you and it changes the way I treat you. And then maybe without even meaning to, you, you just... You just ran into my life, and all of a sudden, you learned all kinds of stuff about Jesus. I think the love of Jesus is for me. I think I might matter to him. I think it's okay to be a broken down mess because underneath it all, there's a person that matters to him. I don't know if that's what that means, but I think it's what it means. And I want to stay curious, and I want to stay a learner. I don't know if I can make anybody else learn, but by golly, I can learn something about him this week. And maybe it'll change the way I see you, and maybe it'll change the way I treat you. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thanks for these words, this job that you have for us to do, to go out to everybody, everyone, and learner them. Make us learners, curious, excited, Always learning new and beautiful things about the depths of your heart, the way that you feel, the way that you love people, and all the stuff that we're scared of and all the stuff that we don't know how to, we're going to work out the details. And yeah, what about this? What about that? All those little questions. Let you work out all that stuff. But just be the curious students in your school, learning, showing people what a life lived under your teachings looks like, how beautiful it can be, even when it's hard, even when it's struggling, even we're struggling to function. Lord, keep us curious. Keep us learners. Learners who are changing the way we see the world. It's in
1: your name we pray. Amen. I am a child of the maker of stars, of the one who.